Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people who are helping autistic adults and teens become more successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. How you wake up each day and your morning routine or lack thereof dramatically affects your levels of success in every single area of your life. That's why I'm so pleased to have Becca Laurie Hector to return to Autism Stories to discuss the importance of defining and creating a mindful morning routine that works best for you. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Becca, thanks for being willing to put up with me and return to Autism Stories. Oh, I'm really excited to be back. This is one of my favorite, favorite podcasts to come on. I love your questions so much. I hope everyone appreciates the work it takes to get <laughs> really good questions to this work. Thank, thanks, Becca. I really appreciate that. Now, I recently read a wonderful article that you wrote about creating a mindful morning routine. However, I think it can be helpful to look back to where we were in order to see the growth in our lives. You stated in the article, you're not a morning person, never have been, and never will be. Prior to creating your morning routine, how did your typical morning usually go? Well, if I was lucky, I slept through it. That's the truth. And I think, you know, about morning, my trauma about morning began in childhood. I definitely had all of the stuff we talk about at school age for folks on the spectrum, even though I wasn't diagnosed. And so getting up in the morning for school was like torture. So for me, physically, it feels like my my body clock doesn't run on that clock. So, like, I'm a night person. I like to do, I get, like, extra amounts of energy in the nighttime. That's getting less now that I'm getting older. But I was always sort of, like, up late reading and things like that and, and having energy. And then when the morning comes, doesn't matter how much sleep I got, if I got eight hours or four hours, it's just really hard for me to transition out of sleep into function of the world mode. And it doesn't happen for me in a really comfortable way. It's not natural. So all of my mornings were always full of arguing with people, about not wanting to get out of bed or sleeping through things and being late to stuff, things like that. I mean, it was a big struggle for me. And then, of course, it uses extra spoons to kind of fight your natural way of being. So getting up early for work and things was just as difficult for me and super exhausting. And when you're getting up early and it just body needs to go right into like doing tasks like showering and eating and doing all of those things it's a struggle so for me mornings were pretty dramatic and I think in addition to that they were not very productive days of my, like that was wasted a lot of mornings trying to do things that I couldn't do and I think the other thing is, and this is like I don't, this, but I don't use alarm clocks I am totally traumatized by the sound of an alarm clock by being woken that I sleep and I found um, I really very rarely use an alarm clock. Anybody catching a flight kind of use an alarm clock. The minute I hear an alarm clock, I start with having anxiety. So I don't use them anymore. But yeah, that's what mornings were like. They were not a fun time for me. You you mentioned uh, the amount of spoons. I'm wondering how important is it 
for someone to understand spoon theory in helping to um, develop a mindful routine? I think it's extremely important. Spoon theory, if you don't know it, get a set amount of spoons when you get up in the morning to use throughout the day. And certain activities take more spoons than others, and you only have that set amount. So if you you either can't do what else you have to do that day, or you have the next day leaving yourself depleted the next day, right? And the idea is that it's the same thing if you're using a cell phone battery, and you, you kind of picture it slowly declining in its charges. And so as you're doing, going through your day, certain things use more power than others, right? Video takes more power than a phone call, whatever. And, and that's how I think about it. And so that's the way that I started to think about how I use my day and how I'm functioning in life. Because I literally was functioning in the negative on spoons on a regular basis. Virtually nothing happens overnight. So what's been the process for you in creating a mindful morning routine? For me because I truly enjoy the taste of a hot cup of coffee but it's also part function because I don't know if I could consistently start my day off and be productive uh, without coffee so call me an addict if you must. Uh, in, in your article you talked about how making coffee is your favorite morning task. Why is that the case? It's only first of all I used to not be a hot beverage person. That used to be part of my sensory stuff. And uh, I, I just didn't make it. And my mom made it every day. 
but she never showed me how to make it, which is how the autistic brain needs to learn, right? And mm-hmm. it's shown to me in steps so that I can understand how they count and there's an order of things, right? Um, and she never did mm-hmm. that. So I finally had to admit to my husband that he didn't know how to make coffee, and he taught me how to make it. Just reminds me that I still have things to learn, and that I still have um, things in my life that I can learn, and that I can do. Also reminds me that I can ask for help, and that's okay. And so it's just little menial tasks, but it has all the stuff wrapped into it. Um, and so for me, that's what coffee means. Coffee is something I look forward to each morning, and I think it's important and often overlooked in having things to look forward to or fun things to do, especially as you start your day. Now you have six cats and four dogs. How important are they to you in regards to starting your day? Uh, Really important. (laughs) Um, Part of the reason that having dogs and cats and everything works for me is that um, they help me keep on schedule and they kind of keep me on a routine. They expect to be fed at a certain time. They need to go out at a certain time. They require a certain amount of exercise and attention. Um, And that very much also keeps me in the present. It keeps me really grounded in the right now because I have to be focused on them when they have needs because they need it right now and they have a way of expressing it to me. And if I don't have to take responsibility for that, then everything will go south. I will be in poop and everyone will be starving to death. Um, And so, you know, that's part of it. Um, And the other part of it is that they're my family. Right? And so as important as it is for parents to make time for their kids in their life, right? and the mornings is definitely one of those times where people have to pay attention to their kids, um, it's the same way for me and my family. You know, I have to get up because they have things and they have needs and I have needs and I have a schedule. We all rely on each other. And so spending time with them is like, for me, the way I imagine it is for other folks spending time with their kids. Super fulfilling. Uh, it gives me a lot of joy, and it makes me smile a lot, and it keeps me very grounded in the actual day-to-day reality is, and that if all of a sudden the stuff I'm working on disappeared, that I'd be left with them, and I love them, and I never want them to feel like not a priority in my life. And so that was some of the stuff I started to do with my morning, um, because it was a way to start my day in joy. It was such a great way to begin what is usually such an awful time of day for me. So it was a way to really use it in a positive way. Now, you mentioned spending time with your cats and dogs outside each morning, which is interesting because I'm realizing in my own life the importance for myself to get outside more for sunshine and oxygen as my mood greatly improves when I just probably maybe get 15 or so minutes of that each day. What effect do you think that has on you? A lot of effect. So it was part of the going outside with them and sitting outside. You know, I don't have to. I have a fenced-in yard. I could let them out to do their business. But part of going out there and spending the time with them is making myself go outside and spend time to get the morning sunshine uh, before it's too hot. But I, can, I need the vitamin D, right? And to right. get my blood moving, walking around with them and just really spending time with them and taking in the nature that I have moved myself to and breathing in the fresh air. Um, again, it's another 
grounding exercise. It's another way to be like, yes, this is where I am right now. This is where I live. Am I happy? Am I not happy? What can I change? What do I need to change? That's what I use that time for in the morning. It's really a very mindful time for me, spending that time outside. And also as someone who struggles a lot with depression, especially seasonal depression, getting out into the sunshine and into the daylight is super important for my mental health. You know, you go outside, you sit there for 15 minutes, and all of a sudden your headache goes away, and all of a sudden you're feeling a little more connected to yourself. It's important. It's important to take that time for ourselves. And in quarantine, it's even more important. Like, please go outside. Set a time aside to go outside and just breathe or walk around your block, whatever it is for you. But do it. It's so important. It is so important. And in Starting out your day, you definitely stated in, in the article a very specific order in how it goes, which, which I think is really smart because it, it signifies knowing expectations. How important are these expectations in transitioning into your day and creating a day you can be proud of? Super, super important. So again, I know it sounds crazy to keep saying grounding all over again, but I think that's the piece that autistics like about routine is that it keeps us grounded in reality and we don't get floated off with all of our worries and concerns and depression and, and get stuck in a loop. Um, and I think that's why we enjoy it. And it also keeps us, it reminds us kind of what time of day it is and stuff like that if you're really involved in something. But for me, you know, I am somebody who A, needs the order because I'm only half awake. So things won't get done if I don't do them in the same order. So that's part of it. Um, and then the other part of it is that, you know, I've eliminated bad habits out of my morning, like picking up my phone first thing. So if I don't do the other stuff in order, I kind of lose my executive functioning and, and forget the things that I have to be doing and may pick up an old bad habit. So instead of doing that, I have a really, you know, an, a routine about the order I do things in because it keeps me functioning, keeps me going despite the fact that my brain is fighting it along the way, you know? Um, it helps me that way, too. And I like that structure. When my morning goes the way I have it set to be, um, my day is set up to be a success. I don't feel anxious going into it. I don't feel depressed going into it. I don't feel angry or anything like that. And, and I don't take any of that stuff with me. I feel instead charged up and ready to take on whatever I have to do, which I think is the goal, right? It's not depleting my spoons when it's hard for me to do things. Now, you've already mentioned a few times what, what I've loved uh, talking about grounding. And you mentioned in your article that you make it a point to stay present in your physical space for at least the first hour of your day. What, what does that look like for you and how does it affect the rest of your day? Well, I think, you know, it, it really is it's the best thing that I've actually chosen to do for myself. Because I think the first thing that I used to do when I would wake up is before even getting out of bed to like pee first thing was pick up my phone. Yeah. And what you, you don't know what you're going to find up there. And sometimes it's a crappy email and sometimes it's bad news and sometimes it's good news, which is great. But then, you know, you don't know, right? And all of that can affect your mood first thing. And so before you even decided what kind of day you're going to have, the email decided for you what kind of day you're going to have, if that makes sense. And it also, 
you know, it distracts you from your present reality. You know, you're in film one and you're in whatever that email is about. And so you're not already not taking care of yourself and your needs. Like, I've already put my, my first pee of the morning aside, whatever that email is. And that's not in alignment with the way that I want to live my life. I don't want to put me last. And so I stopped doing that. I said, you know what? I, whatever BS is on that phone right now does not affect my reality here, right? So I shouldn't let it take away from what I'm, the energy that I'm putting into my reality. And so I don't allow my phone in. And that first hour of being waking up and saying, okay, I have to take care of my cat. You know, I have to go scoop the litter, and I have to take care of me and go see, and then I want to start the coffee, right? Not being derailing myself from what I know I need to make it through the day because of somebody else's emergency, right? You know, that's the idea. It's like it's an emergency for them. It should become an emergency for me. Well, no, not anymore because I need that time and I need my students and I value them more than whatever it is that your email is telling me. And so that was part of it. It's part of that intentional way of living, that way of living in alignment with who you want to be. And I don't want to be somebody who ignores the ones that I love, like my pets and my husband, for an email. That's not who I want to be. That's not how I, how I kind of started. That's what that's about for me. Yeah, I like how you put that just BS on, on your phone. I mean, and it's, it's, I feel silly even saying it, but like when I check my email in, in the morning, I'm always saying to myself, please be something good. Because if right. not, <laughs> if not, then I have to like, then like kind of go back to all my like positive coping strategies to deal with it. Right. And what a crappy way to open your eyeballs in the morning, right? Yeah. Like, either not that important or it's something you don't want to deal with right now and I think you know as somebody who already wakes up feeling kind of negative in the morning you know it's not my favorite time of day to add into that somebody else's BS right off isn't fair and yet that's exactly what I have been doing to myself for years and then wondering why I was so tired all the time you know it's, it's stuff like that and it's about and that is really just boundary setting Right? That's just another example of boundary setting and saying I, I just won't let that into my life that way anymore. Right? And I can be done with any stuff. You know, anything that you're letting into a space that is a time that you need for yourself. You gotta control that. You have to control the input. Because it, it absolutely affects your output. I think sometimes when people hear the word routine they get scared because like you said in your article, that sometimes we think of routine as a long to-do list, but it doesn't have to be that way. You defined what your morning routine means specifically in creating value in your life. Can you talk about the importance of create of for autistic people in creating their own definition for things in their lives? Yeah. I mean, if you... Uh, if you think about what it's like to have an autistic experience out in the world, right now, uh, it is a lot of encouraging who you are, and it's a lot about being who people want you to be. Um, and when you're doing that your whole life and you get used to that way of being, you forget who you are, and you forget who what your needs are, and you forget what your wants are, and you're chasing other people's dreams before you know it, and you're chasing other people's lifestyles before you know it. And it turns out that 
those things necessarily work for you. They may work great for other people, but when you chase somebody else's version of success instead of your version of success, it's not as fulfilling as succeeding at the things that you want. And you really have an empty, empty life. And you also start to carry some resentment for that empty life. And there's some really, really good easy ways to change it. And that's like starting with defining things for yourself. What a productive morning means to you versus what a productive morning means to me are going to look very different. Mm-hmm. To me, if I've managed to not sleep in, get up, do all of the things that I need to do out of my morning routine and set myself up for success, I have had a productive morning. To somebody else who's a morning person, that may look like getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning and going to the gym and then and then starting at their email, right? And that's okay, too. It just wouldn't work for me. If I was chasing that kind of morning routine, I would be miserable, right? And so that's the whole idea is to define for yourself what is a productive morning routine? What is success? What is happiness? What does that life look like? And shutting out the other voices and making those choices for yourself. Talking about definitions we create for our our lives, I had the privilege to see and hear the first part of a great project from you in April that was exactly about this topic. It was a a webinar, Self-Defined Living, Creating a Life You Don't Need a Vacation From. Tell people that didn't get a chance to participate in the webinar what they missed out by not attending And even more importantly, what are your future plans for helping autistic people to thrive in their lives? This project, actually, the whole project, Self-Defined Living, um, has been on my back burner for about a year and a half now. I've been working on it in little pieces here and there, but as one does, one needs to pay the bills, and it wasn't paying the bills, so I had to do other things at the same time. Well, come along COVID, and suddenly I'm stuck home, and I had nothing to do. All my kids with speaking engagements are canceled and all of that stuff. So I went digging back, and I wanted to be creative. And I said, you know what? I'm going to bring this stuff forward. I'm going to start working on it. So I did, and I, I finished it. So it's a project complete, sort of. It's in process right now of being unrolled to you guys. So I started out with that intro webinar to kind of test the waters and see if people were ready for that stuff, if they were interested Um, and if it was something that I should continue to put energy into. So that intro webinar was all about taking this concept of redefining the words in your life and taking away the language of other people and defining it, you know, with your own language and in your own reality of what you want and need. And then I did that for myself, so I kind of walked you guys through in that webinar what I did and how I did it and why it was important. Um, And so it's sort of an intro to the basic concept of self-design living, which is now out for registration. I'm re- it's a 30-unit virtual course. It's called Self-Defined Living, A Path to a Quality Autistic Life. And you, all three units are for registration now, but unit one starts uh, on 610. That goal course itself, I guess, kicks off on June 10th, which is less than a week away. And that is going to be called, uh, it is called Stepping Forward, and it is the beginning processes of how to start redefining your life and how to begin creating a life you don't need a vacation from, which looks different for every single person. 
right? But how do you begin? What are the beginnings? Um, so that's what Unit 1 is about. Unit 2 will come out in the beginning of August. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing the presentations live on a single date. I'm following them with a live Q&A for half an hour. Um, if you register before that date, you can see the live recording of it. After that, you'll be able to purchase the recording. Um, so you can catch up to the units as we go. And then uh, Unit 3 will come out in September. And that one um, is the continuation and kind of the finalization of everything we've talked about through the units of how to, through the steps of creating a life you don't need a vacation from, whatever that looks like to you. And it's really designed specifically for autistic adults. That's not to say that neurotypicals or um, people who are not autistic won't get something from it, but for the first time, something is designed for autistic adults. And it's really just a way to reclaim your life through the lens of autism. And how can people register for the course? Very easy. You can head over to my website, which is BeccaLaurie.com, and it's Lori with a Y. And right there on one of my tabs, it says webinars. You click on that tab, and you can read about all three units. You can also read and purchase the webinar that we were talking about, the intro webinar, if you just want to check it out and see if you're interested in the concepts of it all. And then, of course, I'm offering some um, multi-unit discount packages. And um, to those who were registered um, for my newsletter in June, for Unit 1, they got discounts. But they're, it'll all be in there for the July issue. So you can do that to register for Unit 2. Um, I'm also accepting sponsors right now. I've got a few sponsors so that I can offer scholarship seats to autistic adults having financial hardship. A lot of us are unemployed because of COVID or we were unemployed before COVID and now it's only worse. And so I'm asking our folks to sponsor the whole thing. You can, I'm doing unit one right now, taking sponsors, soon I'll be taking sponsors for unit two, then unit three and so on um, to give scholarships each away to folks that are interested but can't quite afford it right now. And I'm hoping to make that happen. So right now I have like a handful of seats available. If you're interested in a scholarship, you can email me at info at .com and let me know you're interested. And then I will put on a scholarship list. Scholarships will be given first come, first serve, and it's on a rolling basis. So as they become available, I'm giving them away. And I'll make sure to include all that information in the in the description for the for this interview. Thank you. Becca, as always, it's, it's a lot of fun and always a great learning experience talking with you. Thanks so much for coming back and uh, talking about this article and your upcoming course. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I know I go on a little woo-woo train for people, so not everyone's ready for it. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode, and thanks so much to Becca for the great conversation. And please don't forget to check out in the podcast description of this episode for the link to register for Becca's course, Self-Defined Living, A Path to a Quality Autistic Life. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Emmanuel Frowner about how to best support autistic people of color. Talk to you then.